Welcome to the Danger Room, a place to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy and how to level up your game in Marvel Crisis Protocol. We will have our Xavier Protocol segment, some hot takes discussing something new and shiny, and our main topic of the week. We would like to begin by thanking you, the listener, for giving us your time to listen to our opinions of the game. On the podcast, we have Jacob, Sploosh, and myself, Dizzard. All right, welcome back to another week of the Danger Room, and um, you know, just this is normal. We'll have Jacob start off with our good old-fashioned Xavier Protocol segment. So I've got something slightly different this week, uh, inspired by the latest Strike Better podcast. I recommend them. Go and have a listen if you haven't already. Uh, I've got a section now about uh, my favorite way to cook steak. Uh, so, so a couple of tips for steak. Number one, uh, oil the steak, not oiling the pan. Don't put the oil in the pan, put the oil on the steak. So rub it with a bit of salt and pepper as well. Make sure you get it out of the fridge and leave it to come up to room temperature. A good, you know, 10, 15 minutes, get it back up to temperature. You don't want it cooking it cold, that difference in temperature. Temperature is not good for the meat. Uh, make sure you're resting it. Uh, so after you've cooked it, you want to rest it for pretty much as long as you've cooked it. Don't worry, it won't go cold. And my top tip for cooking steak is, uh, I want you to try this, guys, you two. I want you to touch your thumb to your first finger and then prod your sort of thumb muscle, the fleshy bit on the inside bit of the, the hand that you've got there, so on your palm, and prod that muscle. And if you feel the texture of that muscle, that's what raw meat feels like. Now, if you touch your thumb to your middle finger, you'll feel that muscle has got slightly harder. That's what a sort of a, a medium rare steak feels like. And so you can just by touching it, you can feel it. If you touch it to your ring finger, then touch it. That's what a well done steak feels like. And finally, if you touch it to your little finger, that's what an overcooked steak feels like. That kind of that really tough consistency. So just a little few couple of little tips there about cooking steak. You don't need to cut into it to see how it's cooked. You can just prod it. Remember to give it some resting. Oil the, oil the meat, not the, uh, not the pan, and a good bit of seasoning. Make sure it's at the right temperature. And that was Beef with Jacob Collins. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. All right. Uh, so, not your typical uh, Xavier Protocol segment, but uh, informative as always. <laughs> I've learned something. <laughs> All right. Um, so next, we're gonna go on to our uh, our hot takes on Deadpool because his card was spoiled us to us. What yesterday or two days ago? Yeah, I think we've had Something a couple of days. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I think he's amazing. Uh, I think Spoosh wants to head us off on this one. Uh, sure. Um, I love how you always put me on the spot like that. Let's see. So uh, I, my first I <laughs> thought was, where's Rogue Agent? I think I think a lot of people uh, were wondering where Rogue Agent is. Um, because I, it's just like that. Impl- like cause Deadpool's been like a member of like every team sort of unofficially. I know there's been like, for example, comics where he like wore like an X-Men outfit for like a, a, a comic or something. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it. I've seen even um, like fake Deadpool cards and they always put like a million affiliations or whatever. But then it hit me. Maybe the joke is that when he actually comes out, they just throw him into literally like a million teams. Um, you know, we can only speculate so much on that. But the obvious one a lot of people mention is he could be pretty cool in criminal syndicate since he never counts as like a, a what would be uh, the official word is what is it a 
Wounded Injured. character? What's Injured. the official term yeah. for that? Injured, Injured. character. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so he's never injured. Um and that's pretty cool when you're playing Criminal Syndicate. Uh and it almost do you almost get the impression he's like meant to be on his injured side? Um, because he's got four health obviously on his front. And um yeah, playing Criminal Syndicate, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, there's some pretty obvious things like the fact he can't be bowed. Uh he can still be thrown, but pushes like for example on like web warrior abilities, like the web line. He's immune to that. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing uh, Criminal Syndicate it's all about. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but I guess the point I'm making is I think it's very plausible that he's actually a member of Criminal Syndicate, which to me would be pretty huge because uh, you actually would get a choice to not take Crossbones. Uh, even though I think Crossbones is solid in Criminal Syndicate, at least you could choose. <laughs> Maybe in some uh, different objective types, you know, you'd have an option. So... I'm interested to see how that goes. Even if he's not affiliated, I think he'd become an unaffiliated choice that people may lean towards. And I definitely would want to test that out. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's pretty wild, I think that takes some time to wrap your head around is the Merc with a mouth. I think to me, that's going to be like his premium ability, but probably not on every team and not all the time. Uh, the obvious choice would be like A-Force and Cabal uh, and having that, option again i've I've heard people talk rumors of course that he could theoretically be a member of the cabal i mean because deadpool's not a nice guy (laughs) like he's kind of a you know what is it the uh uh the not the hero the anti-hero so you know he tends to do somewhat heroic things but sort of in his evil twist so i mean it'd be pretty crazy to think he could be a cabal (laughs) member you add in dark rain on him and cabal's already getting kind of stacked and i think is waiting for their moment, especially when the new leader comes out. Um, but anyway, so you have bang bang and you add in rerolls. That's pretty great. Um, you can get a power when you get hits and you use that power to use the Merc with the mouth. I think you can really do some massive things. Um, I mean, we could come up with examples all day, but I think the things that come to mind for me is stealing power from someone so they can't charge you. Uh, that would be a pretty obvious one. You could get into a lot more, like, for example, Criminal Syndicate. When you're playing even, let's say, a Criminal Syndicate mirror, um, taking uh, power away from uh, Fisk, or Fisk, uh, what's his, Kingpin, uh, for his, because the big thing with Kingpin is basically he either throws people or he uh, uses the, the Hail to the King. And that Hail to the King thing is just an absolute insane attack. So... When you take that option away, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I mean, there's times, a lot of times when you play Colonel Singer, where literally Fist just like double move throws. And and if you take that power away, he, he just, okay, I guess he just double moves um, and isn't playing the objective as well as he'd like to. Anyway, I mean, we could, I don't know if you guys have some, I, I probably, probably passed the floor out, but I, I do think Merc with the mouth is going to be the one where you, you get some cool gotcha moments and it's going to make you feel real smart when you get to pull those off. Um, I mean, he has re-rolls. He's, everything else is pretty neat. I mean, obviously the the bowing thing is really cool. I mean, he still gets thrown. So, like, he's still going to get knocked around all over the place. And, I mean, I, I, I give AMG a little bit of props, too. For I feel like this is a really bold decision that they make, they made with Deadpool, because he's not, like, the obvious, like, just kind of beater, throw that character in and win kind of card i mean i could name 
other characters. I mean, even honestly, Baron Zemo, like on paper, feels just kind of better with the like blunt force uh, strategy. And that's not really what's going on here with Deadpool. But once we find out how many things he's affiliated with, and obviously he's got the exceptional healing, the X Factor healing or whatever, so he he can not die as fast. And I think that might be something you kind of have to staple to him, to be honest, which is a little bit of a downer because having to use your tactical hand towards like a specific character is a little bit of a bummer. However, we know the leadership of X Factor, which is the only real probably affiliation we really know for sure. And they give him like the double reroll on offense. And that's pretty nuts with the bang bang ability. And it's very like vanilla there. He's going to have offense. And, uh, you know, it's extremely likely Wolverine's a member of that affiliation. And Wolverine's biggest weakness is his offense isn't the best. It's not reliable. Giving Wolverine six dice on offense effectively with the reroll that X, X Factor has. And then having two characters that can use the sort of exceptional healing slash Odin's blessing effect. You know, uh, that's going to be interesting. And that's, so it might not be such a downside when you play X Factor. So there's a lot of cool variables here. And I'm pretty excited for Deadpool. And he's going to be one of those characters that um, you just never know. A new affiliation could come out and he just kind of clicks. You know, similar to like I was saying with A-Force and Cabal, having that power boost to spam Merc with a mouth. I think that's going to be fun to play with. Okay, you touched on a lot of bases there, Sploosh. So um, I'm going to pick up on some of those and maybe add a few of my own thoughts. Uh, yeah. I totally, I think maybe the thing you undersold was you talked about the, the bow thing. This is his power, unicorns, rainbows, and sugar plums dancing through my head. You do not want to be in his head. Uh, so that's why he can't be uh, pushed or advanced by effects from psychic attacks or enemy superpowers. So that turns off bow to the will of Modoc. It turns off Siren's Call. It turns off the Mind Stone. So it's great that these these effects are really powerful effects, and now there's some built-in counterplay. Uh, and the thing that one of the things I wanted to add is he's only a three threat. There was a lot of sort of discussion, and my my expectation is he was going to be four threat. And some people are going, "No, nah, man, Deadpool should be five threat." And um, we've got a three threat character here who's going to slot into a lot more rosters. Now there's a lot of competition at three. Don't get me wrong; there are some absolutely fantastic three threat characters. But if your problem is, oh man, Enchantress just keeps moving people around, or Modok keeps moving people around, or Thanos keeps moving people around, then maybe this is someone you're going to go and, well, he fixes that problem. Uh, just raw numbers, uh, as a numbers guy, raw numbers. So he's got a five dice strike with a reroll called Stab. I quite like that his strike is not called Strike, that he's gone for something different. I'm not going to strike, I'm going to stab. Um... So that's Stab. kind of, you know, we've we've seen Baron Zemo and we know how good Baron Zemo is. And that's basically Baron Zemo's uh, strike. So that's good. And then the fact he's affiliated in X-Force. So quite a lot of time if you're playing X-Force, that's going to be like a kind of close to a seven dice strike. So he's kind of got She-Hulk's builder on a three threat chassis. That seems nuts. So if you can get Deadpool to where he wants to be within range two and then start doing that. I think he's going to build a lot of power. Um, and the, the weird thing with him is he's going to be a little bit Angela-ish in that he doesn't have particularly great ways to spend power. He's got a, uh, a three a three cost uh, spender on his healthy side and a four cost spender on his injured side. And he's got 
uh, he, he, if you get him up to 10 power on his healthy side, I'm not quite sure how you're doing that, but you, you've managed to do it well done, maybe off your builder, say, um, you can't spend 10 power on him. It's just not possible. The most you can spend is nine, two, two spenders, Jordanum pokes, and a three uh, power Merc with the Mouth. So he's going to be kind of a bit like Hawkeye, maybe, or a bit like Angela, where I think he's going to get more power than he's actually able to make good use of. So <clears throat> then that starts making you think about kind of affiliations where you want that. So I think maybe in humans where he can pass that power out, that feels like a nice place for him. Um, also, the fact he's got Lockjaw in affiliation in humans to get him forward so that he can do a stab stab uh, or a bang, 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 all the bangs. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, there's some, some synergies there. Uh, I think maybe playing some big tactics cards, people who want to follow me or who want, I don't know, the calibration matrix, for example. Uh, I think maybe that's a spot for him as well. But I, I think you've hit the major beats there. I mean, just him and Criminal Syndicate, I think possibly that's the reason. I, I, I don't expect him to be in Criminal Syndicate. And I suspect that is the reason he's not a rogue agent because just straight swapping him out for Crossbones is a no-brainer, I think, if he can count in that affiliated slot. Uh, he's not going to count for um, all according to plan, for example, if, if you were a rogue agent. But I think that's probably the reason why they, they maybe they considered it and they play tested it and they went, this is seriously good in Criminal Syndicate. He's going to make Criminal Syndicate lists anyway because of that fantastic ability to always count double so long as he's still on the table. Uh, but that's my take on why he's not a rogue agent. I think maybe if he'd have been a more expensive threat value, so there's kind of a, a balancing act there, that they could have could have maybe given him rogue agent if he was a higher threat and maybe just you know a little bit a little bit healthier maybe five and five and six and some other cool tech that that justifies his full threat. Uh, but as he is, he's he's a cool free threat. He's got some unique abilities. Merc with the mouth. I think uh, the one that jumps out for me for Merc with the mouth is uh, turning off bodyguards. Really, really often, round two, Okoye's got two power. Okoye is a really common character you're seeing all over the place and just going, Okoye, you don't get to bodyguard. And now I can make two attacks into this character. That feels really good. Because often what happens with Okoye is she bodyguards the first one, generates some power, and then can then, if she takes two damage, she's got enough power to bodyguard the second one as well. So you just go, well, I just don't get to attack the character I want to. Um, I think maybe She-Hulk as well. Uh, if She-Hulk hasn't managed to build much power, then just taking it off, meaning that denying that bodyguard is another one we're seeing. I think that's going to be quite a common use for it. The issue is going to be getting three power on him. And maybe, again, that's, you know, Inhumans. That's a fun play is to go and turn off the bodyguard and go and stab the person you want to stab. I'm not quite sure who that is, but um, I can see, yeah. Fun, good, definitely worth three. Uh, some room to explore. He's a really welcome addition to the MCP family, I think. Yeah, if I had any complaint about him, maybe the media movement is a little awkward. I mean, but it's it is what it is, you know. I think if you um, can, and, and Merc with a mouth can be spammed. You can't play it on the same character, but you can just keep using it on everybody around him. Which oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. It's a character you know, can be affected by power once per round. So you're right. He can spend the power. You're 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 right. I misread that. Yeah. Um. It, it, there's a little weirdness where, like, if he was in Cabal, they're obviously probably killing things and then giving the opponent power. So, at best, it's like a sap. But maybe you could, like, you know, put a lot of damage on the character you're killing and then take their friend's power away so they can't really counterattack very well. Um, you know, reducing yeah. a swing place, if you will. 
<laughs> I still think it's slightly uh, weird, his power economy, because he's all his powers are multiples of three. So very often he's going to be sitting there on two power going, I have nothing I can spend this power on. Yeah, there's definitely an expectation of him to get uh, power himself, which there isn't a lot of without like Cabal or A-Force assisting him. Or Brotherhood. Fair, Brotherhood, yeah. So I want to bring up, you guys didn't talk about maximum effort. Yeah. I mean, I, I touched on it. I talked about... <laughs> so I think a it's a cool ability. Cool I mean, okay, it, it's got a wild dance party, and that's the kind of dance party I want to go to. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, I normally... It sounds so much fun, though. I normally not a big card reader, but I look. Let's be real. Like no one's played this character. I, I'm gonna read Dance Party and Maxim Effort. It's range two, <laughs> seven dice, four, pa- four, four power. He's got a wild uh, effect. Dance Party. After it's resolved, uh, so after that attack is resolved, this character may advance small or short. Uh, after this advance, each character within range two of this character suffers a damage and he gains a power for each damage dealt. So that kind of can trigger the Merc with a mouth too, which is kind of amusing. Um, like you said, to get that extra power perhaps. But know. but so like it's just, I think it's kind of neat because you're already spending three power for climbing gear and you're essentially getting climbing gear with a seven die attack for one more power with this attack. If you get the wild though, of course. Yeah, it's but wild. I, I think it's neat. That's uh, fair. You do move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels a, a little <laughs> expensive. I mean, we, we're, we've kind of been spoiled yeah. recently when you look at Kingpin and Taskmaster, and they're seven dice spenders for they're both both two is Kingpin spender two or is it three? But it's a really good three because it auto staggers. Um, this feels a little bit heavy on the power cost. You're paying four dice for a seven seven dice strike. I guess he's got the rerolls. Maybe that's factored in, so it's kind of more like an eight. Maybe that's part of the equation there. Um, and then a, a cool wild effect. It's good wild effect. Yeah, right? also like, worth really... noting. Yeah, you go. I mean, he's only got the 10 health total, right? So, like, if you have a character with, like, 12 health, then you, the, you can spend more because <laughs> you're probably gaining yeah. more power by getting hit. Yeah, so... I mean, healing factor is going to come into that as well. And so maybe he's going to have more than 12 health if you don't manage to one-shot him. I mean, he's, he's not hard to, to take down because um, he's only got four four uh, stamina on his healthy side. But he does get to re-roll one on all his defenses. So he's kind of a 4-4-5. Four, four, Those are pretty good defenses. You know, so mm, think about it. Like uh, He's kind of like Hella when she's injured without the recursion in terms of four stamina and kind of four dice on defense. So that from experience, you know, that can be a lot harder to take down than maybe you picture it because you think it's only four health, but it's not that different to an Okoye with three dice reroll one. In fact, it's very yeah, similar. I was about to say. Yeah. So uh, it's sometimes he's going to stick around annoyingly long and then that healing factor is going to be really relevant, healing him up with those good defenses to back up that healing factor. Healing is much more valuable on people with good defenses anyway. Um, so yeah. Can I get a little vote here? Do you guys agree when I say that he's not a character you probably should just throw into a list? Um, um, of course, unless you're just goofing around and want to have fun with Deadpool. But competitively or whatever, you probably aren't 
like just throwing Deadpool into any random list. Like I feel like if you're not trying to angle something, like I was saying, Criminal Syndicate or Power yeah. Gain, uh, he's probably there's probably just better three threat characters. I mean, maybe exceptional healing makes me wrong yeah. a little bit. So I would say, go ahead. But then, then you're looking up taking up a tactics card, which our room for tactics cards is getting tighter and tighter as it is. So if you take exceptional healing, let's say you want to take his chimichanga or one of the other tactics cards that come with him, like he comes with a bunch of different tactics cards too. Um, I think you're right though. I think you have to have a plan for him, whether that be he's there to get your affiliation uh, for cheap, or you have a specific plan like criminal syndicate. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're playing X Factor and there's literally no other choice, then like, okay, we're playing this character, right? Um, yeah. And I I think he'd be pretty fine in X Factor anyway because of the offense he's gonna have. But yeah, I mean, I, I just I like if if we're talking strictly unaffiliated without any kind of like weird combos in mind, I mean, I think I like just play Baron Zemo over Deadpool personally. But like, I'm not, it's not like a knock on agree. Deadpool. I'm just saying, and this is kind of what. I, Kind of my point about I'm impressed with AMG for doing this because he's such a popular character that like they could have gone safe with him and just made him like a beater, you know, like a Valkyrie or a Zemo kind of yeah. character. And they didn't do that. So, so my answer to your questions, Lucia, yeah, I, I do think you're right. He doesn't feel like a like a, a drop in twenty list genuine value three beta like say Valkyrie. Who can has great synergy with basically every affiliation. Uh, he does have some cool tech though, and I can see yeah putting him in when you've got a plan. I've worn a counter to Valtor, Modok, and Enchantress. That's just ruining my life. Uh, I I want to be able to turn off bodyguards on low power uh, opponents. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so I think you're right. You do want to just not just throw him into a list. You do want to have a plan and think about how you're using it. And it might be, it could be any part of his kit almost. Uh, I'm not sure his attacks. I mean, maybe you're, you're like, we talked about Doom Prophecy, bang, and now we've seen he's got three uh, physical defense. So that's a seven dice bang attack. Uh, and with a reroll, and then with X-Force reroll, then that's kind of nine dice. And that starts going above the, the stats that I talked about on the previous previous shows. So maybe, again, that's another fun bit, but Merc with a Mouth, you can build around that. Uh, you can build around his inability to be pushed. You can build around his always counting as healthy. So Yeah, and I kind of yeah. touched on it, but I, I'm going to put a bow on it in that Merc with the Mouth kind of has two different strategies. There's one where you do like A-Force Cabal. Well, no, let's go with A-Force because actually Cabal's a bad example. Um, Cabal's probably giving power as much as you're taking. But with A-Force, you're getting hit you get power, you give Deadpool the power, and then you take the power away from your opponent. It's a, it's a bit of an attrition style. With Cabal, or not Cabal, um, Criminal Syndicate, often, and, and this is maybe a tech discussion, but like I played Criminal Syndicate in our team league, and, I, and I, you know, I've played against Criminal Syndicate. And a lot of times how Criminal Syndicate works is they, they don't really kill you early in the game. They want you to be power starved because they'd rather just be, be alive and just be beating you on VPs. And the, the less power you have, the harder it is to take a character so tanky down. And so that also works because you're kind of playing attrition. And obviously, Criminal Syndicate has like power issues, 
but eventually Deadpool will get some power and then he can take it. So he's he's continuing the strategy that they already are playing of, of draining power from an opponent. So I, I do think that those are two great examples of, of Merc with the Mouth. There might even be more. Um, Cabal's kind of a whole nother style too. But um, so yeah, like even just that one ability, that's why I mentioned it being like probably the most exciting part of the card is that you can really lean into it. Yeah, I think I quite like that there's not like a, a slam dunk. He's absolutely fantastic here, but there's like some nice synergies with a number of different affiliations and that can play to different aspects of his card. I mean, that speaks to me of good uh, character design. So I just got like one more question about Deadpool for both of you, and that is okay. the model. Um, are you or are you not doing the rocket? Oh, I'm totally doing the rocket. Come on, it's cool. Uh, it's Deadpool. It's ridiculous. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I can totally understand. I respect people who go, that rocket's ridiculous. Uh, yes, yes, it is. And that's Deadpool. And that's great. Um, so yes, I'm doing the rocket. And and the foosh or whatever it is. I'm doing rocket, but no foosh. Yeah. Um, I wish it said sploosh, but such, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I hit. 3D printers are a thing. You might be able to 3D print. Listeners want to 3D print sploosh, uh, sploosh, sploosh. Then uh, yeah, I think you'd be I, forever grateful. I know. I have some friends. Maybe I could ask them. But yeah, I, I'm 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 cool with like his um sort of whole mis- I like everything about the Deadpool is cool. I'm personally gonna do the rocket and the heart eyes. So I just want to say, like, I, I think the rocket's really cool. Um, I think it's fitting for his character, and the whole, like, floosh thing is awesome. If you can get a sploosh on there, though, that'd be really, really tight. Just <laughs> everybody would know it's yours. And um, I I think the hard eyes are awesome. That's that's all I got to say about it. I think, it's, I think it's super cool. Okay, at this point in the show, we just want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors through the uh, Across the Bifrost Nexus. Uh, if you're in North America, Discount Games Inc. And if you're in Europe, uh, then Blackgate Games. These are great online uh, retailers. If your local game shop doesn't have what you need, or if you don't have a local game shop, then uh, consider getting your MCP stuff and a number of other game systems through them. Uh, they're supporting our MCP community, and it's really nice to be able to give back a little bit while also buying your your toys from them. Uh, so we heartily encourage you to, to go and check out both of those websites. Yeah, I just want to say I actually used Discount Games for the first time, and I got my Inhumans. Uh, they came in a pretty timely manner, uh, and uh, I would recommend it. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward website. Just search for what, what you want, click, you know, to put it in the cart. It's, you know, and there it goes. That's all done. It's just like Amazon or anything else. So nice and easy. Just check it out. So moving on, we're going to go ahead and talk about Jacob and Sploosh's game for the finals of Season 4. And we're going to start with Jacob. If you just want to give us a quick rundown and what your thoughts on the game and uh, how it all went. Sure. Well, uh, the first thing I want to point out is that uh, clearly I've had too much of an easy run uh, and I decided to play the finals on hard mode, uh, by which I mean I made a bit of a mistake when I was putting in my roster and rather than bringing Valkyrie, who I hear is really good and definitely wins me games, (laughs) uh, instead of clicking Valkyrie, I managed to click the name below. So I now have Venom in my roster. Uh, which is fun. I'm uh, coming up with creative ways to get Venom into a, like a Defenders Portal team. So uh, it's it's an extra challenge for me and just, you know, keep me on my toes. Uh, having said that, 
uh, that did kind of influence my uh, my game that I wanted to play. Uh, I was drawn against uh, Jay Zaccolo. I hope I've said that name wrong. I've probably butchered it. Apologies to Jay. Uh, really nice guy. Uh, we had a couple of issues in the game with kind of lag between my, my PC and his PC. So uh, there was, you know, it was some difficulties, but we managed to get a good game nonetheless. Uh, I managed to win priority but discard the extract i wanted uh but luckily he played gamma and i do love i've got a lovely little 15 gamma team of doctor strange with the gem modok and wolverine who loves jumping through a portal and no matter the costing uh into a berserker barrage so that happened um ultimately it was a bad matchup for me brotherhood is a tricky tricky one for my team i think and i think he was generally advantaged but ultimately it's a dice game and the dice went with me um there were no massive mistakes except that he only on a 15 threat crisis he only brought 14 threat worth of uh team he got sort of stars in his eyes i think about bringing lockjaw with magneto and um put in not enough threat of characters i mean it's fine you can play under and there was a discussion afterwards as was that an intention and i think he didn't quite uh didn't quite realize what he was doing at the time and uh, maybe the lag played into that a little bit uh did you say 13 or 14 threat? he played he played 14 so he was playing magneto yeah. lockjaw mystique and toad which sums to 14 so he was playing a threat down uh i think had mystique been Sabretooth, uh he did bring deception but he never played it so maybe Sabretooth would have been better value so maybe that that did impact on the overall game and Sabretooth is just kind of a, an annoying character for my team to deal with i don't have good ways of controlling him and i don't really want to be attacking him so uh, he's an annoying character to see opposite you well, congrats um, going advancing to top eight, Jacob. That's awesome, man. Uh, representing uh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm matched up against Pat, uh, which means my hashtag dodge Pat strategy is officially out of the window. It didn't work. Uh, turns out it's not a good strat. Um, but I yeah, uh, hope you have a counter for a drop off. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you end up watching your stream over again? Because I did watch, like, I'd say 30, 40% of the game. Uh, it's a matchup that I've played a lot because I've been practicing. I practiced what I thought were my bad matchups, and I try, I sort out games into those bad matchups more. Um, so I, I kind of knew the major beats of what the game was about, and fundamentally it came down to can I kill Magneto before Magneto kills Modok? That, that, that was the game, and that's a dice game. Uh, and I don't think it's one that favors me, so I think I got a little bit lucky with dice. Um, particularly uh, some defense roles of Magneto were particularly bad, although I had bad defense roles on Modoc, so maybe it all comes out in the wash. But I felt, I've, I haven't actually run the maths on it, but I feel like he's advantaged in that kind of, that, that setup. So I, I feel like the dice helped me. Um, it's, you know, dice by themselves aren't enough, but uh, to, to win a game, you need good strategy and, and to try and make good decisions as well. So I, I don't feel too bad winning a game and saying, well, that was the, the dice helped. Uh, because I think there's other things around it that also contribute to that to that win. Uh, Jay was a really nice guy. Um, he uh, yeah was uh, a, a gentleman to play against, and I really look forward to to playing him again, maybe next season. All right. Well, um, I played my game Saturday night, uh, and uh, it was like solid. I mean. Um, Man, there's some. I, I would just say first of all, the game was streamed by uh, Jaron Foss, and uh, I played against Travis Foss, 
and uh i i did this morning watch the game over uh kind of in fast forward mode um to just listen to the commentary and that kind of stuff i would recommend people probably check it out um it was a tight game back and forth i feel like i was advantaged uh right from the get-go because i kind of took out his um black panther re- relatively quickly I'm not sure entirely, but I think if I didn't get his Panther as early as I did, he would have been able to teleport Panther out. Um, he was playing Wakanda with Lockjaw, and um, I was playing X-Men as per the usual. And uh, I think if his Panther his Panther went for an herb grab, and I think if I didn't move his Panther, he could have like moved his Lockjaw up and then teleported Panther which, away, which would have been a disaster for me. There was a sci-fi building in the way, and I, I don't know that that's a hundred percent guaranteed it was a little weird um he for example he had to kind of double move to get up at one point and i i'm just i'm not sure if like with all the teleporting stuff that would have worked out i I don't know it's not worth thinking about because it didn't happen anyway but um anyway um it was kind of wild because i could definitely say i got a little lucky early and um i kind of got his panther and then i went in with a wolverine and he he kind of returned the favor by taking out a full health wolverine um to kind of counterbalance what was going on. So both of our, our grabs completely failed. And uh, by like turn three, we it was like Fisk. And we seriously had this thought of like, is this game ever going to end? Because both of us were just controlling one side of the board. And I, and I was like, well, this could go forever until our characters die because, you know, uh, we're both controlling our side and there's no incentive to like really cross over. It's not really how it worked out, and, and, it, and you know, it came down to like the last few rolls, and it was really tight. I will say though, um, if you watch the game, there was a, a period of like a half an hour. It felt like it might not have been that long, but it sure felt like it. Um, where we had a judge call, and I kind of realized after watching the stream that it wasn't really explained where why there was a judge call. I mean, it was kind of more like the basics. So I guess since I have this platform, I'll explain it real quickly. Um, since I was, um, the one joining, uh, Travis's computer, I was, uh, you know, in Massachusetts versus Australia. So we had like, you know, 300 ish ping and, uh, you know, it wasn't the most uh, responsive. One of the reasons I actually asked you, Jacob, if you watched your stream is I, I, I was thinking of your stream while playing this game because of how much lag there was. Uh, like for example, the commentator had mentioned that you knew, the dice rolls about like 10, 15 seconds sooner than the stream did or your opponent. And so uh, there was a joke about how like you were reacting to the dice and he hadn't even seen them yet, you know? Mm. Um, and so I only bring that up because uh, the, basically the, the drama happened because uh, we were quick to like move fist tokens around, you know, assess damage on our characters, apply stuns, and then kind of flip over to the next turn. And uh, in that, in that mix, um we had a daze token on his okoye which uh you know fist is on cleanup so what should have happened is she gets dazed flips to the daze side and then we begin the next turn um it was basically it was really confusing because actually we forgot to even activate his okoye and then i knew i had priority because we discussed it earlier in the round and so i i last activation moved my storm and then knew i was gonna like um do something with her the next turn and I saw a dazed Okoye on the board because I guess he had hit like cleanup and it must have lagged. So it was probably like, I don't know, like 20 seconds of like the incorrect board state. 
So I was moving Storm, and once I moved next to Storm, or Storm next to Okoye, uh, it eventually clicked over to show her dazed and full health, um, which obviously I was like, well, hold on a minute, and we discussed, you know, this is a problem, <laughs> because I was moving my character next to a dazed character, not a, a you know, an injured character at full health. So I, obviously, I didn't want to put it on Travis. Uh, we call, We decided to just call a judge and intervene. Uh, Art came in, um, and I guess I probably don't even bother with names, but three judges ended up coming into the chat and uh, they voted uh, two to one in favor of Travis, just leaving it as it is. Um, the, the heart of my argument was like, you know, if we were on a real board and my opponent and I left a day's token on a character, I would have noticed, oh, there's a day's character and moved in that with that information in mind. And then it's compounded because, you know, we both would discuss like, oh, that character's actually not dazed right now. That that's not how this works. So we would have, in theory, backed up the game state to the correct game state, and that was basically the whole problem. Was that I was trying to say, well, we should be able to back this game state up. Nothing's changed in two activations, and uh, you know, it was just an improper board state. Um, that's pretty much that. I, they ruled against me. I, it's been fortunate, I, you know. Just I don't know the rules of this game, and that like because it's not really like. The rules of the rules like you know character moves medium and what does that mean and pushes it's literally like how do you rewind mistakes and then how long can you rewind them back um i i got kind of punished last season because i got a loss that really was kind of well the loss was out of my hands and for both me and my opponent um my opponent ended up making an illegal play where he used drop off without having the power to actually do it and then murdered my whole team and then by the time we figured it out it was too late and the judge said it's too late you can't back it up so i basically lost the game with like oops you know and so um that that stuck with me it's like man that really sucked that we couldn't back it up and so i figured with this storm situation uh you know since nothing had changed we could actually back this up and it was unfortunate in my opinion that that wasn't possible um but it is what it is i will say travis is a great opponent um it's our second time playing and he was a good opponent the last time and, and uh, always a joy. Uh, our game was tight either way. Unfortunately, this mistake ended up uh, costing me the game pretty much. Um, and I actually re-watching re the game, and I will say this, uh, kind of something to bring up, is I definitely highly recommend people do rewatch their games. I was kind of dreading it, mostly because of the drama of the judge call thing, but I was really just curious what the commentators had to say. Um, and I did notice that I probably threw the game that turn earlier because um, had my storm just double move thrown his Okoye, his Okoye would have been off the point, not scoring, and then he would have lost two VPs and I would have been winning anyway. And none of that would have even mattered. So mm. good to rewatch your games. You'll learn from your mistakes almost always if you're really paying attention. Um, <laughs> another stupid mistake I did notice at, <laughs> with like five seconds as soon as the game started. I brought Taskmaster instead of Beast, which it's not like a huge deal because they're not like wildly different characters. Uh, and I had a little, I know why I took Taskmaster was I was like, okay, well, if, if he's got Black Panther charging me, I want to have the martial artist. But almost instantly I realized that was like the mistake. And I had just subconsciously clicked Taskmaster and not reevaluated. And, and uh, so I should have brought Beast then it would have made a massive difference in the game. Having the range three attack would have been huge. He's got four physical dice with the rerolls, which would have been great against Medusa and things like that. So 
you know, you can always learn from your mistakes. And um, I do wish Travis luck in his next games. And, um, you know, tough things happen. And it is what it is. You know, just gives you perspective on things. And, I, you know, and I told the judges, it's like, whatever happens, you know, this is this is nothing. It's a tough situation for a judge to have to make that call either way. For sure. Um, and I wasn't there. And I, I have watched the game. Um, and I suspect I would have made the same call. I'm an accuser as well. So if I'd have been in that situation, I suspect I would have made the same call. All right. So one of our main topic of today's episode is Jacob has brought us a topic um, talking about swing turns. Uh, Jacob, do you want to tell our listeners what you mean by swing turns? Sure. So uh, what happens quite a lot in MCP is that there is each player can have like one big turn. And typically this is where they like burn a load of crisis cards, uh, sorry, of, of tactics cards, um, or they are you know, committing some, spending a lot of power on big spender attacks and superpowers. But sort of a big impactful turn, which can turn a slight advantage into a major advantage or uh, chasing the game into leading the game. And um, there's been some great examples in the top 16 of games that have swung wildly backwards and forwards. Uh, if you haven't watched, for example, Pat uh, Pat's game uh, against Hellcannon, I strongly recommend going and checking that out. That was a great game to watch. But again, the massive swings backwards and forwards where uh, the commentators are like, this this, this guy's got to win. This this guy's got to win. So uh, it, it, great, great game to watch. So if you haven't seen that, I, I do recommend going and watching that. But there's quite a few cards that can enable these swing turns. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what they are and then kind of dig into a bit about when I the timing of swing turns so one that's available to, to everyone is all you've got so it's become a really ubiquitous card and I wouldn't be surprised to see it on a restricted list because it's run in practically every roster I think uh, that, that's doing this uh, in the top section I haven't got the stats on that but it feels like everyone's running all you've got often in combination with field dressing but but not uniquely uh, the idea there is you're going to spend four power and you're going to get four big attacks or you're going to get a lot of movement or you're going to do something which is going to really impact the board state and that's going to make up for the fact that this character is going to be dazed or going to be KO'd at the end of it. Maybe you can undo that with a field dressing or a, uh, or a last minute save, although we now know that last minute save doesn't work like that. Last minute save is only against uh, enemy effects, I believe. Uh, there's been a uh, ruling on the rules. Yeah, that's correct. That. Yeah. Um, so it also can't save you from gamma damage, which is relevant. Um, but the idea there, you're going to have one big turn, and that big turn is going to either win you the game, or it's going to set you up to win the game. It puts you in such a strong position that you're you're hopefully not going to be able to come back. So there's, there's quite a few um, cards that will do this. Uh, Mothership. Uh, is a great example in Black Order. So if you're dropping in a Reality Corvus or a, a Nine Threat Thanos somewhere, then uh, that's going to be that's going to be an impactful turn. Uh, by the same by the same measure, Asteroid M on Magneto. Now that's quite relatively common to see that early game, round one, round two. But then dropping in that Magneto, that can have a big effect. Suddenly he's able to start building lots of power by using his rerolls because he's now within two of people, and then throwing a whole load of terrain, and that has a really big impact on the board. Uh, but then there's others which tend to happen sort of a bit later in the game. Uh, things like all webbed up. Now, uh, uh, web warriors aren't typically kind of a brawler faction. You can play them that way. Um, 
and again, it was interesting to see Hellcannon doing that in Pat's game. He he was playing a Brawley Web Warriors, and the use of all webbed up there is really focused on uh, not so much the slow, but the extra dice and maximizing those extra dice, and then leveraging that to get the game in, like dazing key characters before they activate, or KOing characters that have already uh, that have already been dazed. And uh, leveraging that into a game state which is going to advantage you more. I could go on. There's, there's, you know, in Cabal, there's Dark Rain and potentially Cosmic Invigoration. Um, in A-Force, you've got Special Delivery. In Defenders, the way the turn one uh, pentathletes things, often your your swing turn might be round one because at the end of it, I've got Hulk with, I've got four cubes and you've got one. And that's going to just set up the whole game state where I'm going to be able to dictate the pace of the game. It doesn't always run out like that, as I've discovered, but it's it's a strong play which can try and swing the game in your favor. So the first part of this was just highlighting some of these. Uh, guys, have you got any others you want to throw in there? Yeah, um, for me, it's always been Aim Lackey. It's like that one move per game that might be the difference for a million reasons, which we've been over in the past. Um, climbing gear is a less potent, but everyone gets it version of that. Um, and also, climbing gear also has the... Ex- ex- you don't have to be the active character. I in my game uh the other night I was hedging on having three characters and going last so that my plan was if he shuries my character who had two health, then she wouldn't kill the character and then I could just climb your back on and win. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately my one of my activations died and, and I didn't get that opportunity. But having you know, climbing your work out of activation a huge swing and then field dressing is another kind of super obvious card everyone's talked about a million times but um not only does it take options away from your opponent because they might try to do a swing on you and then you're countering it but then also you could with a lot of power turn it around on their on them right so it could be a counter swing even um and that actually happened to me as well in my game the other night where my storm got taken out and i originally i wasn't planning on bringing her back but he took out my Wolverine as well, so now I would still have priority, and I needed Storm to, to get in the fight at that turn. Um, and, and funny enough, I not only did I field dressing, but I also did all you've got on Storm, because I realized that at one health, she's basically useless for the next turn, so I might as well just flip her myself, you know? Uh, and then I'll just say another thing on the all you've got. It was a critical turn six all you've got um, on Lockjaw to take out mm-hmm. my Medusa that basically locked the game and is what caused all the things I just mentioned to not work out for me. So again, uh, you know, if it's turn six and it's going to win you the game, who cares if your character gets removed from the board? You know, Uh, I've done, I mean, you can talk forever about all you've got. I've done turns where like my Corvus is at like one health or two health or whatever, standing next to like She-Hulk. And I'm like, well, okay. This character is going to be useless next turn if I don't have, you know, because I didn't have priority. I, I got to just do it now, you know? Like, it's better to all you've got flip my character. And not to mention Corvus is Corvus, so he's going to do big damage um, without those extra attacks. So, yeah, those are some that come to mind. I mean, uh, it's not as meta these days, but all according to plan is another card. You could hold all game and your opponent has to respect it, right? I mean, you could even say Brace for Impact with that description, right? Mm. holding it's funny about brace right because people will say oh you have brace so i'm not going to waste my power because power is kind of short early in the game 
But then what ends up happening is you don't make him use it early. And then late, it's super swingy because you're like, oh, man, he has brace. I could win right now if he didn't have brace. You know? So it's funny how that works uh, with brace. Does it have you got any you want to throw in? Um, for me, I think some things that come to mind immediately is some movement shenanigans. So Sploosh brought up climbing gear. Um, let's talk about Medusa, Lockjaw, and the X-Men leadership ability. Um, all of these can have a part to play in a swing turn because it could create an angle that you didn't see coming and that you couldn't necessarily prepare for uh, by having that unpredicted movement, even though it's, it can be projected. Um, but it has that possibility to just catch you off guard. And then, of course, another one to talk about would be like Doom Prophecy. Yeah, Doom Prophecy can have a real big impact. Um, and I think it ties in really nicely with where, what I want to talk about next. Uh, just head up a couple more, just occurred to me. Uh, I can't believe I missed out Wakanda Forever. That uh, kind of that's the, the, the archetypal like first swing turn thing was like the turn you play uh, Wakanda Forever is is going to often it does big things. Um, and special delivery is another great one. Um, what's really interesting here is kind of there's there's a range of them that get played at different points throughout the game. So there are some which tend to be played round one. So uh, I'm playing a lot of pentagrams at the minute, and that's a great example. Uh, and you know, setting up a, a board state which is advantageous for you round one and trying to ride that through the rest of the game. Uh, Mothership and um, Asteroid M, special delivery to an extent as well. These are ones that you quite often see used round one in order to get good characters into a position where they're going to have a big impact and try and shape the game like that. So I guess one of the things I'm interested in thinking about is when is the best time for one of these big swing turns where you're kind of shaping the game? And some thoughts that I was having watching some of the top 16 games is a lot of the uh, players, very good players, play conservatively in the first few rounds that they try and go oh, do you know what points parity that's fine down by one i can take that because i've got this in my pocket and my swing turn is coming and so i, I can just wait now my list is i'm trying to set that up round one and kind of a downside i'm beginning to realize of that is you can't win the game round one it's you can set yourself up really really well but you're going to give your opponent at least two rounds probably at least three most games go to at least four rounds and some of them go a lot longer than that depending on the crisis setups but by having these swing turns early these big plays which are going to shape the game giving your opponent agency to be able to control them feels like a less reliable route to victory than having your swing turn potentially round three or maybe even round four where you can put them in a position where they can't come back from it well uh and it feels i, I don't know maybe what do you guys think does that feel easier to ride that out to win the game then well i think you're implying that there's like a, a relative parity which uh you know um if you're doing like hired muscle and you have priority then like you've stolen that agency a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I, you'd have to think of the matchups, I guess. I, I, I see what you're saying, and I do agree with you that um, most people probably do trend towards like pass, passive plays, waiting for their moment. A lot of times waiting for your moment in, in any game is, is waiting for your opponent to, uh, to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And your opponents, usually people, especially uh, practiced players, 
they're not going to make those mistakes in like the first turn off. I mean, it happens, but uh, usually not because that's kind of practiced and very repetitive and kind of mechanical. But once you get into the later turns, you know, that's where someone makes a mistake. I, I mean, I, I made a mistake in my game the other night where I didn't see a, a throw play, you know, uh, just little things like that where opponents a little bit out of position or they misjudged a move and you catch it and you're like, aha, this is the moment. This is the swing. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's, it's kind of a flowing thing. You know, you're just hoping to, to like make less mistakes than your opponent, you know, and then play your cards. Mm. Worth noting too, like, and I kind of touched on this with brace for impact, but like your, your swing card, it, not playing it is it puts your opponent in an awkward position and like an example is like dealing with special delivery right now and then maybe this is touching on what you're trying to say it's like if you use uh, special delivery every single time on the first turn is that a mistake because maybe you might catch people off guard every once in a while but what if you save it to like turn two or three uh or you know and not only is your opponent having to deal with the actual card, but he has to deal with the potential of the use of that actual card, which will make them possibly make mistakes or not even like, it's not so much unforced errors as it is. They have to play a certain way to correctly play around that card, which may make them uh, play suboptimally, not because it's a bad decision, but because it's the correct decision based on you having that option. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think kind of tying into that is maybe it's better for attrition plays to be played earlier. So if you've got, let's say you're playing black order and you're dropping in a reality Corvus and the idea is round one, you're going to daze someone and then round two, you're going to have priority because you've got Proxima as well. You've got a low model count, you're, you're stealing priority or you've already got it and you're going to keep it. And then you're going to KO them round two then that's going to have a massive impact on the game. If you've just managed to delete a four or a five threat model from their, from their list that's done essentially nothing, that's, that, that can't help but be a massive impact on the game. And that is might be something you can just ride to victory. And you, at the very least, your opponent's going to have to work very hard to pull back into that game once they've got that you know action deficit and threat deficit and attrition deficit across the whole rest of the game ahead of them. So maybe it does vary according to whether they are um, whether they're we're looking at attrition plays or whether we're looking at more sort of scenario plays. You know, a Wakanda forever uh, in with Shuri and Panther pushing people around. Maybe that's going to be much more impactful to get you those last couple of points to win the game. Whereas if you do that round one, is that as good? Yeah, maybe that. And also the threat of Wakanda forever is so powerful. So maybe some of those. Uh, more scenario focused ones the threat of it is a factor that limits the actions of your opponent and therefore the longer you hold them like you're talking about with brace the more that can impact your opponent and make them play suboptimally and therefore the more likely you are to be able to work that towards a victory yeah i mean in, it comes back to our previous episode i believe with huggy bear where he discussed the sort of pace of the game um, it's not just like how is the game going, and but how will you have to predict your situation? Let's say three turns later, are you 
Do you expect to be at an even parity or do you expect to maybe be behind, let's say 60, 40, right? Some lists, you have the expectation to be better off than your opponent after say three rounds and some lists, you know, they don't have that option. So you're, you know, it's a traditional sort of like, um, controlling list versus, you know, the Killy list and all that. It's just trying to create a prediction um, of how things are going to be. And that's how long you can maybe hold something, you know, um, for example, like Wakanda might be kind of prematurely, prematurely using Wakanda forever, but the longer the game goes on, it can deteriorate. You know, if characters are starting to be removed, characters are getting put in awkward positions that aren't as helpful. Um, yeah, no, you're not, not to say it always is that way, right? Like you could theoretically yeah. hold uh, Wakanda forever till turn six on like a Fisk situation, knowing that like your Shuri will always get this one last push, and that could be the the two point difference to win you the game. So like, you don't maybe you don't need all that impact. You just need the swing play. But then you know, why so. not have that two point advantage like round three or round four? Why save it to well, round six? Yeah, and that, that's that's the big question. And and if you're playing Wakanda, the there's an understanding that maybe you can't last that long. Like maybe you'll yeah. start crumbling earlier. I, I don't you know, it, it's easier to win when you are up because you can play in such a way to make your opponent per potentially waste actions chasing you things like that um where if it's even the whole game you know and something goes wrong that you didn't expect it can be tough you know um it can make you take risks I, it's tricky it's, it's hard to talk about in a bubble but you know yeah um, i think one thing that makes it interesting is the whole the built-in rubber banding the comeback mechanic that the game has in in the power generation and that you know okay i got dazed but now i turn up next round i'm back uh, i've got the, all this power i can spend and so i think maybe a trap some people fall into is having pushing their swing turn early particularly if there's an attrition element to it a damage dealing element to it because that can then power up your opponent and means that their swing turn which happens later maybe so let's say you have a big round two they come in with an even bigger round three because they've got more power to put into all those cool abilities because of all the things you did in round two and I think that's kind of factoring into my thinking as well of saying well if you move that round two to round three then there's been that bit more attrition gone on those characters who you're dazing instead of dazing them you're KOing them and so maybe just holding off on some of those is a better call because it's ameliorating your opponent's ability to come back with with that built-in power mechanic yeah one thing you could say is like obviously if a game goes to like turn six probably like timing your power usage is not as relevant i'm not saying in all situations there's relevancy but let's say you can manufacture a turn three win if you kind of play very passively for your first two turns and then you start dazing all their characters on turn three then it doesn't matter how much power they have for turn four because there will be no turn four right sure yeah so it's the timing right if you had done all that on turn two then your opponent ha could have a bigger turn three and so there's definitely a lot of like manufacturing of a scenario where you get the outcome you want without, you know, by controlling how the power works. So if your opponent has like 8 million power, but there's going to be no next turn, then it doesn't really matter. Sure. Um, 
Yeah. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at. It's like, you know, I've, I really, I feel I've leveled up a little bit on this just by playing Criminal Syndicate lately because they really do lean into this idea of don't kill anyone for a while. And your opponent's just giving you power by killing, because they're, they're forced to. It's just the way yeah. the game works. Like yeah. they have to daze you. You don't have to daze them. And then they're giving you power, will, you know, willingly. And once they start dazing you, now you have to start taking them out because you are no longer, you know, reaping the benefits of your leadership ability. But now you have a lot of power and they don't and you get to daze them back. And then hopefully when that's happening, you've manufactured a win shortly after, because if you don't, you're going to lose or potentially lose all your characters. Mm. <laughs> so, um, so, so we talked about Brace and maybe a little bit about Wakanda Forever. Are there any other cards that you think become powerful? The threat of them is almost as powerful as the card in these kind of swing turns. Well, I can say one card that's the opposite would be Field Dressing. I've definitely had games where Field Dressing just becomes completely useless and it makes me sad. Um, so yeah. as awesome and swingy as Field Dressing is, it actually diminishes the longer the game goes. For the but most maybe, part. And maybe that plays in as well, you know, because we talked about these like round one attrition plays, like a Mothership Corvus. And if you do that, and you do it on the character that they were really wanted to field dress, and you manage to daze them when their characters don't have enough power to pay the four, it's expensive. And most characters can't get up to four power on round one. That's pretty unusual. So maybe the value of those plays also is contingent upon the cards that your opponent has and when they want to play them. So yet more layers upon layers, it's turtles all the way down. Yeah, I think Braze is probably the best example, especially because a lot of people are playing it. Um, I, I'd be curious, what do you think about like Medpack? Where does Med... I mean, Medpack's just good at every situation, right? But is Medpack like better, worse, just no difference the longer you wait? Like, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going off med pack a little bit. Uh, he's It's not in my eight at the minute because no, it's, it's on the restricted list. Yeah, and I kind of have this metric of how does this card help me get more VPs? That's kind of, and if a card can get me one VPs uh, and each of my cards gets me one VP, then that's five VPs that I've got if I use my cards correctly. Um, so kind of that that's my sort of yardstick that I use to go... Should I play this card? And if it's gonna if it's gonna get me a VP, then I think that's a good use of a card. And it's harder to see how Medpack gets you a VP reliably. Now you might say something like, uh, it means that their character's not gonna get days, so they don't drop an extract token, and that's how you get your VP. And I can see that, but often I mean it depends on the shape of the scenario and the deployment and a hundred other factors, but Often it's just more a question of resource allocation that my opponent has to allocate more resources to dazing that character because you've medpacked them rather than they can't do it. Now, clearly there are going to be situations where that, that's not the case. But quite often you can you know, get one or two extra attacks to do the three damage that you need in order to counteract the medpack. So it's less clear in my mind the route that that card getting me a VP. Now... Uh, having said that, maybe I'm, I maybe I can't justify all my cards in that manner when I look at my list and go, well, how does how does no matter the cost get me a VP in my current list? And that may, that is harder to to answer. So maybe I'm falling foul of my own rules here. But it feels to me like 
Brace is going to do that much more reliably than Medpack because Brace is going to go, that character that would be dazed is now not dazed. And I know that's going to happen. And that's going to happen relatively frequently, most games. You can stop someone from being dazed by preventing a throw damage or collision damage. Yeah, I feel like Medpack is actually just a strict, like, a gamble. Because, like, for example, in my game the other night, uh, Black Panther got medpacked, and it didn't matter. He still got dazed. It changed nothing. He just well, made I mean, me attack his character more. Yeah, so um, it, it, that is not nothing. That is having to divert resources towards Black Panther, which weren't going towards, I don't know, Medusa or Lockjaw. Sure, whatever. but, you know, those resources would have been put towards, like, double move nothing anyway. So Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, like, no, trust me. I mean, it, obviously, it's one game, one example. But I, my point is that... Um, Medpack is a gamble in that, like, unless you're dealing with, like, say, let's just say your character has, like, a scroll and you're playing Gamma and your character's, like, Board Edge. And your plan is never to leave the, the, the Gamma, you know, range. Then obviously Medkit has, like, an obvious value because maybe your character would die with a scroll, but because you Medpacked, you now don't die to Gamma damage, right? To me, that's, mm. like, a an obvious play. Like, okay this will score me two VPs because my character doesn't daze or whatever, or someone can't steal it. And even then, I mean, there's situations, right? But when you're dealing with characters just fist fighting and punching each other, that three damage doesn't automatically mean your character doesn't go down. Like maybe the next activation is a character who dazes you in uh, one attack without the med pack, but then with the med pack, it's two attacks. But like if they, they maybe didn't have another attack anyway. Like, see what I'm saying? Like, there is a variance to the value of medpack uh, that just is inherent with how the game works. It feels like um, it's been like a bit of a medpack tangent, but I think it does circle back nicely. It's really noticeable that medpack is one of the most played cards, and yet it didn't make it into our mention about swing turns. None of us felt that medpack is a big swing turn card. And maybe that's speaking to what we're, we're kind of experiencing here. That it's well, I, I, yeah, I've it's not that like if I could play med pack as my third restricted card, I would of course play it. I think I would. Um, mm. so I'm not, maybe, I'm maybe not, not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, it. so it could be an example of bad habits. Maybe I would thinking that is a good decision and actually I'd be making a mistake, but uh, I do think med pack's a very solid card, its value is very like even, like, but. It's like hard to be a bad card, you know, and it gives you options and, and players like to have options. But I, I, I will just take Brace every time over Medpack because to me, Brace is affecting my opponent's decisions and it has a very clear value to me. Like I see when it works, it's going to work and I know what's going to happen. I know the results. I know the value. And to me, that's just amazing. And it's not just, oh, characters throw. No, it's like, this character will live on an objective and score or will not drop and extract or whatever, you know, um, I know that's happening. And field dressing to me is kind of on a similar vein, not probably, I would say it's a, a peg below brace, but I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about field dressing, but I, to, I look at field dressing as sort of like a, um, a variance protection system where my opponent just goes hog wild and takes something out. Um, I've experienced too many times where a character that should live doesn't live. And when I say should live, I mean, we're literally talking like possible, like 1% or deaths, you know, mm -hmm. and having that field dressing on hand to cover me for those situations. It's hard to give that up. 
You know, if, if a character gets wildly dazed out of nowhere, like Medpack doesn't fix that problem. You know, unless you're like She Hulk, because like she just has 20 health. So, like, it's, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard think, to overwhelm that threshold, you know? That, that's true. Um, but then maybe when you've got 20 health, maybe patch up's better. True. And, but that goes, like, that's a whole other, you know. Yeah. Right. I, I do agree with you. I, I, we did discuss in the past that I do think patch up has a place 100% in A Force. Um, but, yeah, mm. different situations, different circumstances. So, I guess to kind of wrap up this discussion, it's something that I've been thinking about recently and watching and looking for in other people's play is thinking about when are these swing turns happening? Because often it's in the gift of the player because it's largely linked to tactics cards or specific positioning effects. Um, and watching when is it you are choosing to activate your swing turn and was that the best turn for you to do it? Because very often this is maybe the biggest mistake that good players make because they think that they know what they're doing. I don't know. Maybe that's completely ill-founded. And uh, you guys on the Discord are going to slap me down and go, no, I don't do that at all. Um, but it's just something I've been thinking about recently and I thought it was worth a bit of a discussion about it. Yeah. Um I just say we're not it's not only tactics cards. It's I really I think Kingpin's like a flagship for this discussion because I've had to learn from watching other people. I'm not saying I've you know, I've discovered through other smart players basically is that early on in a Kingpin activation, especially obviously in Criminal Syndicate is what I'm discussing. I mean you could play Kingpin in other affiliations, but when Kingpin gets like two power early in the game, it's often better just to like throw someone away like i i mean i i have the experience of doing it and seeing the results and seeing it work and i you know i don't know what else to say like a lot of people would be inclined to like move you know punch someone and then throw them you know um you know and i've done plays where i'll like move punch one person try to push them and then throw the other person i'm gonna do something like that but the point is, like, even though you can do a lot of damage, you, you need to think about if you should do a lot of damage. And going back, uh, even to Pat's game, like, the way he, like, grabbed... What were they playing? Were they, playing they were playing spiders. And he grabbed the middle spider and then immediately moved his Angela, like, back pretty darn far. I mean, Angela, his Angela was, like, way out of attack area, you know? Um, it, it, that game was really interesting. I... I I think you can read an opponent just by how they move their character. So when he moved his Angela like that, he's like, I'm playing the long game. I'm not going in. I'm going to make you come to me. I'm going to make you burn activations. This is the tempo I've set for the game, and this is happening. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of people would say, oh, Angela has a six dice attack. Like, of course I grab an objective and then murder people. Like, if you look at a lot of Angela's card, a lot of it just basically implies... You know, she literally has an ability where if she, like, dazes someone, she gets to attack someone else. I mean, it, it has this implication that thou shall murder, but it's actually not entirely true. Um, kind of like what I was saying with Criminal Syndicate, where you, if you can control the VPs or you can keep the game even and then swing it late, that, I think that was Pat's strategy in his game. And then, obviously, if things go wrong, he changed it up. But you can see, like, where he went very passive and then he turned very aggro and it wasn't because like his list changed or anything or his strategy was always to do that he's just he saw the the way the game was going he could see a few turns ahead 
and he shifted gears he pivoted and uh so maybe even though you have a plan to use some cards late you you'd have to use them earlier and, you know pretty much i think that makes sense right I mean, yeah follow what i'm saying yeah for sure like, i i will just i really if anyone please i would say check out pat's game because I, there was one moment um where it was clear that with four vps he could just run away and win and then uh there was a turning point where one of his characters lost the vp and then the math suddenly didn't check out anymore for that form of victory and you can see immediately the way pat responded and you could tell he saw that because it went from like a modok in web warriors with no damage on him never even considered attacking that modok to a very aggro valkyrie saying all right here we go with a vp in hand she went at modok and i knew immediately i was like this is a signal this he's signaling that this game has changed the way he's going to win is completely different now and i that's it's a really cool thing to see uh, out of a high-level player. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of The Danger Room. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something to level up your next game. You can reach out to us on our Discord, Twitter, or Facebook. The links will be in the description. We have a questions channel on our Discord, so feel free to drop us some questions in there and we'll answer them on the show. Thank you for taking the time and listening to us. If you're liking what you hear, leave a rating or comment or even both. We appreciate any feedback to help us grow and become a better group to bring you the best quality content that we can. See you next time in the Danger Room.